Hey everyone, this is Lynn Bartim, and you are listening to the Apex Hour on KSUU Thunder 91.1. In this show, you get more personal time with the guests who visit Southern Utah University from all over, learning more about their stories and opinions beyond their presentations on stage. We will also give you some new music to listen to and hope to turn you on to some new sounds and new genres. You can find us here every Thursday at 3 p.m. or on the web at seu.edu slash apex. But for now, welcome to this week's show here on Thunder 91.1. Okay, well, welcome, everyone. This is a little bit of an unusual day for us. So for those of you listening live, um, this is the Apex Hour. I'm Lynn Vartan, and one of the cool things is that I get to bring amazing people into the studio who are visiting campus, and I get to talk to them about their lives and about what they do. And this week is another great week with Apex. We're just about ready to head into spring break. Um, But before we do, we are celebrating the, the business of Tara Bench. So I'd love to welcome to the studio, Tara Bench. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. I just totally want to tell everybody about your blog and about your website and about everything because it is so cool. So let's start with that. Awesome. Who is Tara Bench and what do you do? Oh, that's a that's a big one. Um, <laughs> I, I am a former magazine food editor and now blogger, food blogger. Um, and that's that's about where I where I am. I, along with running my food blog, I develop recipes for companies and brands. I do food styling, which is making food look good for photography and video um, for different clients, and produce content creation uh, jobs, things like that. So, kind of a variety. That's amazing. And you have a book coming out. I do. I will soon be a published author. Um, That's so cool. My, yeah, my Congrats. cookbook comes out this fall. Thank you. And Thanks. tell me the title again, because it was a super cool title. It's Live Life Deliciously. So oh, that is, that. that's my tagline, sort of my brand message and the name of my new cookbook. And so if anybody wants to come find you right now as they're listening and they're like, oh, this, this, she sounds so cool. I want to find out about her recipes. Where should they go? TaraTeaspoon.com. Awesome. One word and uh, at Tara Teaspoon on Instagram. And you are just so good with social media. I mean, you respond to people. You're just so present on it. Um, maybe that's kind of a great place to start. Um, your talk today talked a lot about the entrepreneurial spirit and how you've built your business and how you've built your brand. So maybe if you could talk a little bit about that component of it, because I know that's something I, ch- I even, you know, struggle with is like getting on top of the brand and the social media. How how do you do that? Uh, I I did have to sort of change my perspective on it and move from sort of that consumer of social media right. to to a producer and somebody more active and uh, engaging for my business. And I I still it is is it's an aspect of my business that I know is necessary yeah. to engage with people who are following me or want to be a part of my food world. And I love that. And it's also still a bit of a challenge to um, – it's some people's full-time jobs yeah. to maintain social media, to put fun content up, and to engage with the people that are there. And so it is just one aspect of my business, and I have to balance that. So it's fun to be there and great to be there, and I can share things 
in a different way than I can on my website. And it's it's also a challenge to balance that. Yeah. I mean, you do it so well. And one of the things is, is related to that is the photography and the food styling. And I know that that's something you've been doing for a long time. And so I'd love to kind of just get into a little bit about what what it what it means to be a food stylist. And I mean, you're, the photographs on your site are so gorgeous. How do you, I mean, you must wear so many different hats, art director, photo, I mean, whether or not you're taking the pictures yourself, you're styling them. How does it all work? You have a home studio. Take me through it a bit. Oh, thanks for asking. I, um, yes, I started out as a magazine food editor at Martha Stewart magazine and uh, learned food styling on the job. I, you know, I didn't go to school for that. And food styling is uh, for editorial purposes and, and publishing. You are learning to cook recipes and use real food and make them look good in, in a photograph and yeah. in front of the camera. And there are tricks to that. Um, for the most part, I learned the type of food styling and do the type of food styling that uses all real food and the the actual recipe. However, part of my career, I have done some advertorial food styling. Okay. And that's a little bit different where the food maybe needs to sit on set longer oh, or right. it's under really heavy lights. Oh. And so that's the type of food styling that you might have heard about where they use Crisco for ice cream or different um, effects to get the look of steam or glistening, you know, burgers with Vaseline, et cetera. Whoa. So those are some tricks that I have used and I do, but I really love food styling using real food and making it look approachable and like something that you can recreate in your kitchen. Yeah. That's and, just a whole new world for me. Wow. Yeah. And, and it's, it's great. I, I, often people have said, oh, you're an artist. And I've never thought of myself yeah. as an artist. I think, well, I'm, I'm a cook. But there is an aspect to that where you are looking at food yeah. as if you're the lens of a camera and what is this going to look like and does it look better overhead or coming in low and looking at all the details. So there is something very visual about that that I I um, deal with. Are there any um, like simple tricks that you can share? I don't mean trade secrets or anything, but you know, everybody... I mean, people are constantly pulling out their phones in restaurants and things like that or or want to style food that they make. I mean, do you have any home kind of tips? A few, I would say. So the whole restaurant, taking a photo in the restaurant where you get served this beautiful plate of food and you're like, I need to document this. It's the lighting. So have <laughs> everyone with a phone put their flashlights on that dish and then you can take your picture. Yeah. Um, and that definitely always just makes it look more beautiful and just like your eye sees it. Yeah. Um, but at home, it, there is something to be said for if something looks good, you're going to enjoy it a little bit more. Right. So those slow cooker meals that have been simmering <laughs> and getting all delicious for hours are usually pretty brown and, yes. you know, not super appealing, right. even if they're delicious. So things like that, um, some food styling tricks yeah. that maybe aren't super technical is throw some fresh herbs on top. Oh, yeah. Or, um, you know, serve it over rice or next to beautiful crusty piece of bread or something like that that makes it look more inviting. Yeah. And that's a simple, simple thing to do. Um, uh, something at home and something that I do professionally is you think, 
okay, I've got this hot lasagna with melty cheese and I'm going to serve it on this plate and it's going to look delicious. And you try to serve it and it melts and falls apart. Right. So things like that, the, the tricks are to let that rest for almost 20 minutes. Oh. Even though you think, well, it's going to get cold. It doesn't really. And I food style cold food a lot. Yeah. And so there are those aspects of I'm not serving it right out of the dish like you do at home. Yeah. And so it does look like that, even though it will taste the same. That's so fun. Yeah. I mean, it, and I wonder, it's probably something that's a, a lot of experience-based work and maybe tricks kind of shared among professionals. Because, I mean, are there books on food styling? Is it something you can research? There are. There wow. are a lot of books and trade publications oh, and cool. things like that from professional food stylists that have been in the business for years and they've wrote these amazing books with all these secrets and, and tricks. Um, and honestly, I would say as fun and interesting as those books are to pull out and read and learn about, it's uh, practice. Yeah. You've got to get your hands in there and and see what it looks like. And I love the the trend of sharing pictures of food, whether it's whether you're a blogger and a professional food blogger or it's just you and you're sharing your new recipe or right. your mom's favorite recipe. Um, everyone's looking at food differently. Yeah. And so we are, like you mentioned, we're all wearing a lot of hats. Yeah. And I have sort of taken a few of those hats off because I know I'm good at certain things and not others. Right. So I am so happy when I can hire a great photographer or work on a job with an amazing photographer and artist right. because I'm not good at photography. Right. And most of the ph photos that I take of my food are with my iPhone. Yeah. And thank goodness it does the work for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I focus on other things, whereas some people are talented in all those things and can take amazing pictures and make beautiful food. And it's just different for everyone. Yeah. So you don't have to, I just think you don't have to feel like you have to do it all. Thank pick, goodness. Yeah. Pick some <laughs> aspect of of how you like to share food and, and do it. Oh, that's really inspiring. <laughs> One of the other um, huge aspects of your job that I wanted to get, we talked a little bit about lunch is recipe development. And I mean, these are, these are more the, the craft themselves rather than the business of it. And I, I'd love to ask you more about that later as we go in. But um, I'm sure you get asked a lot about recipe development and how, you know, how does that work? Does it, it, does the inspiration strike? Does the muse strike? Do you have a notebook? Do you, cr you know, craft things over time? How does re recipe development work for you as you develop this this massive, you know, database of things that you've created? All of that, yes, uh, cool, <laughs> yeah. And it's different for every every recipe, every approach, every job, like freelance job that I take. Um, I I will go about it. Yes, I'm always collecting inspiration, whether I'm eating out or flipping through beautiful magazines and my cookbook collection. I'll see something and, and say, without looking at the recipe, say, oh, that looks good. And could I make something up and create my own flavors? Because I'm, a, I'm drawn to that in a visual way. Now let me make something that might taste good that that looks like that. Or or maybe it's the opposite. I'll have a bite of something and I'll say, oh my goodness, this is great. I'm going to recreate this and maybe add a different flavor or make it differently in some way. And so that is definitely part of the process. 
there's also an aspect to just coming up with something out of the thin air. I, um, you know, I often cook by cleaning out my fridge. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. What have I got in here? And come up with something new. Right. And uh, just out of things that are in the fridge. And it's it's one of my favorite things. We've got waivers in here. So I know. It's so I fun. I love it. Visitors. <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, for clients and brands, often it's a very unique process because each company will have their own requirements or right. style or audience. That they're you trying do to share recipes. Brand with. consulting mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. So you mm-hmm. you work with a company and they say, All right, we want these recipes for maybe this season. And then mm-hmm. you how do you what considerations do you take there? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I take into account the trends uh-huh. that are in the industry, what might be coming up in a year or so, what I'm seeing at trade shows. How can I implement new ingredients and fun flavors into recipes uh, for myself or for clients? Um, maybe they're a company that their audience loves healthy recipes, right. or maybe their audience loves um, baking and sweets and rich things and whatever it is or whatever the product is. Um, or like you said, the season. Right. I'll use seasonal ingredients. But it is fun just to say, hey, I'm inspired by this. I want to try this new ingredient and I want to make it accessible for someone at home. Um all of those things just come into into play when I'm in the kitchen. Oh, it sounds so fun. Oh, my yes. gosh. Well, it's already time for our first little musical break. As usual, I have a few little songs to play for you. Um, gosh, these three are not related necessarily to each other at all. They're just three songs that I've had in my maybe play on the Apex Hour list. And just a reminder, if you're interested in any of the music that you hear, and um, we do have a Spotify uh, playlist that's a totally open playlist that's called Played on Apex Hour. And you can also find that on our website, which is seu.edu slash apex. The first song that I have for you is Empress of the Lake um, by Ed Hardcourt. You're listening to KSUU Thunder 91.1.
All right. Well, welcome back. That was Empress of the Lake, uh, Ed Hardcourt. Nice and relaxing. Um, again, this is KSU Youth under 91.1. If you want to check out the music, just check out the playlist that's called Played on Apex Hour. And that's on our website, su.edu slash apex. In the studio with me is Tara Bench of the website, Tara Teaspoon at tarateaspoon.com. Is that right? Exactly. Cool. Welcome yeah. back, Tara. Thanks. I would love to talk to you about some of your work in magazines. I um, I still love, love, love magazines. And you've worked on a, in a wide variety of magazines and in a wide variety of positions. And um, particularly, I'm kind of interested in the time that you were at Ladies Home Journal and some of the changes and modernizations um, with the look and everything that, that you were involved in. I wonder if you could share some of that with us. Oh, absolutely. And to start off, I am I am a, such a sentimentalist. And uh-huh. so working at Ladies Home Journal was really fun for me. It was uh, over 130 years old uh-huh. when I started working there. And I loved the history of that. Yeah. It was a, a women's service magazine and had started in the 1800s. Yeah, it's amazing. And we had the archives. I would love to go look at the archives and see those old magazines and how they um, – helped women run their households and see the world through those right, pages. Right, 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 And so the other thing was, is because it was that old, you know, all of our grandmas probably had it on their, uh, you know, coffee tables totally. and it's in every doctor's office. Totally. Um, and it had a definite feel and persona to yes. it and, it, you know, a, a history, a sort of a historical stance and um, amazing articles, amazing writers would would appear in its pages and a few of those pages were food pages so that's what i was in charge of and and overseeing and as i was there the magazine industry was changing um you know many magazines over the last several years have closed yeah um things are going digital there's definitely still a place for magazines in the world and we as uh, a company in Ladies Home Journal, we were trying to stay relevant yeah. and stay important to those readers, the millions of readers that read that magazine. And so while I was there, we sort of made some some shifts and changes to become more relevant and incorporate social media and engaging with our audience rather than being the experts that were just telling people something. Within the magazine pages, we were able to sort of start a conversation and get um, other other voices in there and readers to sort of participate in the topics that we were talking about. And that fell into the food pages as well. So rather than me just being there sort of waving my hand saying, this is the best recipe and this is the how you make banana bread and this is what you should do for Christmas cookies. And I was able to sort of go on to social media and create – a conversation and modernize those food pages. It was so fun. It was yeah. it was a real challenge and learning experience in branding and repositioning. Um, and we did it several times over those years that I was there. And and was it difficult or well received? I mean, was that tough growing pains or was everybody like on board? What was that pr- transition like? What was interesting is it was very well received. Ah. Um, you know. In the magazine industry, you're always very concerned with your median age of reader right. because the advertising companies are looking at that. Right, right. And 
uh, something that I learned there was that process of how a magazine is staying afloat because of those ads that you flip by yeah. and they're paying for those pages. And so I would go on sales calls and, and go to these advertising agencies and even they were saying, man, this magazine looks amazing. Oh, that's wow, great. Wow, this is an amazing change and this is so fun. And oh, we're trying to reach a younger audience and your audience is a little bit older. Yeah. So even though everyone loved that, that's sort of the beginning of that transition out of publication is we had so many readers, but they were older and these advertisers wanted younger readers. Right. So it was appealing and it was fun and it just wasn't sustainable. But before that, you worked for Martha Stewart Living mm-hmm. and and that uh, is a brand that is built on, I know the best way to do yes. things. And I think that's why a lot of people, you know, go to her stuff is because mm-hmm. like, this is the best banana bread. So what was that like a little bit? And what was the aesthetic, um, you know, what what was that scene like? perfection. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you beautiful. know, it, it was all about perfection and, mm-hmm. and doing the best of whatever you were doing and teaching. Yeah. There was a huge, I loved the aspect of teaching in that magazine. And Martha has always been a teacher, whether it's her TV show or her magazine. She always is like, hey, I'm going to make a turkey for Thanksgiving. So what is uh, the best way yeah, to yeah. make a turkey? And so- you know, if if you remember many years ago, she had a column called 101. Uh-huh. It would be yeah. banana bread 101, chocolate cake 101, right. roasting turkey 101. And you were, as editors and recipe developers, it was so fun. We were, we were tasked with creating the best of what we were showcasing in those pages. And sometimes they were a little esoteric and, you know, new and crazy flavors and maybe a mushroom you would never even be able to get at your grocery store, but we were creating recipes with it. So part of the pages of Martha Stewart when I was there were about aspiration and inspiration. And some were very usable and approachable. And it was a fun mix. And I think that magazine is still almost a reference book. Yeah, totally. In in every, you know, whether it's the craft section or the gardening section or homekeeping, she appeals to so many people and... It's kind of that aspirational, like, I am going to try to be like this. I know. I love the, the calendar at the beginning of each, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. each, um, uh, issue. Each yeah. issue. Yeah. I was like, each episode. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> each issue, you know, where you would kind of see, oh, she's planting her bulbs now. She's yep. doing this now, you know. Would you, is there any, um, I know you learned a ton from all of these experiences, but I was curious if there was, cause you were st- still, I mean, that was the first sort of big, company that you worked for and you were really in on the ground up with with Martha Stewart Living. Um, are there any standout lessons or standout things that you really t- learned from that particular experience? That's a great question. And and I have always said, like you said, it was the beginning of my career. Uh, I started there as an intern yeah. and became a food editor and sort of worked my way up. But I learned, I always say I learned everything there. Right. Even though I had gone to culinary school and I had had some journalism education, um, I learned how to develop a recipe there. Mm. I learned how to food style. I learned how to work with a team of art directors and photographers. I learned how magazines are published and what goes into it and how far in advance you plan and how to plan. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I learned a lot and I took a lot away from 
those years of experience into my other jobs and in, into my business now. Yeah. So it was a big thing. Um, yeah. And you've also done a lot of TV and um, I'm a huge fan of some of these uh, competition shows and, and you've been a judge on them and you've participated on them. We were talking a bit at lunch about um, what those are like. And I wondered if you could um, share with our audience things that are exactly the way we think they are and things that might be a little different than how we would think watching the show with however you want to share, of course. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. Um, I didn't sign away. <laughs> exactly. In a contract, of course. Right? <laughs> of course. Um, no, those, those shows are fun. I, like you said, I have been a judge on a food network cooking competition show. It was several years ago. It was a Thanksgiving challenge. Oh, how fun. And most recently, a few years ago, I was a contestant on the Christmas cookie challenge. I love that show. Network. We watch, we like binge watch that in the holidays so it. bad. I mean, what is wrong with watching people bake? It's the best thing ever. So, so good, especially at the holidays. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I was a judge and, and then again, when I was a competitor on these shows, it was sort of a, my, my first experience with reality TV. Oh. And, uh, I was, I was surprised and interested to learn how much the producers play in yeah, right. in that. So there is a huge aspect of reality and you are given a certain amount of time to perform this cooking task and make it your best and it's not a lot of time. Right. And so there is that drama of the rush that you see in all these cooking shows and knives down and stop the yeah. ovens, you know. So that's all totally, that's. It is, yeah. it is. And they do it obviously to create some drama. Of course, yeah. But but it is a lot of fun at the same time. But the producers know what it takes to make a good show. And so they will ask me as a judge or a contestant certain questions that yeah. make for good TV, really. Right, and, right, right. And I was surprised at how involved they are and how curated that is because they have to edit it into yeah. an hour show. And, you know, both those times I'm there for a day or two days of filming. Right. And so they're very thoughtful about these pointed questions they yeah. ask you and and what they encourage you to see. As a judge, they would, you know, point things out that maybe I didn't see so I could comment on right. camera right. about it. Um, right. They're just yeah. helping the situation, you know, along a bit and, and yeah. so that you guys can give your expertise as judges mm -hmm. and, and give your input. How mm -hmm. cool. And And I have to say... After that last being a contestant, I'm not sure I, I want to be on reality TV anymore. <laughs> You're like, that's it. it. I'm done. Yeah, I'm checked out. Some people get a rush from it, but I, I like to have my time to make the food that I love to make. So cool. I'll do it not on a reality TV right. show. Right. Just in the home competition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Well, it's time for another song. Um, let's see what to play next. Um, uh, this is a song by Chess Boxer. I don't know how this song came to me. People make suggestions and I run across things on all kinds of different playlists, but this artist is Chess Boxer and the song is Kalon Lan. Two words. Check it out. See what you think. KSUU Thunder 90.
well, that is a song called Kalon. I think it's Kalon Lon. It's C-A-L-O-N. And then second word, L-A-N. And the artist is Chess Boxer. And you're back listening to the Apex Hour on KSUU Thunder 91.1. I am Lynn Vartan, and I'm in the studio with Tara Bench. Tara's website, which we have been enjoying. I mean, the pictures are amazing. You guys got to go check it out. It's TaraTeaspoon.com. There are recipes. There's a store. There's all kinds of things. And we're going to talk a little bit more about her book coming out and some of the recipes. Maybe she'll share a couple of titles of recipes that are coming out with it. So welcome back, Tara. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, we've been talking a lot about all of your incredible successes um, in big companies and now with your own company and the book that's coming up. But I know so many people who, you know, say, wow, well, that just sounds amazing. But I have a blog or I have a small business or I am trying to get started in things. And it's just hard, you know, and I'm sure that you have plenty of that side of things too. And I know in your talk today, I really appreciated your discussion about resilience. You shared um, your brother's story and, and and the workout, you know, you've got to just keep doing it again and again. And I would love for you to sort of talk about maybe um, some of the challenges, you know, and, and, or some of the fears and perhaps some of your uh, defense mechanisms, if you will, because I think that'd be really inspiring to to anyone out there with with a business that they're looking to expand or keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks. I'm, yeah, I'm very open about talking about the ups and downs of yeah. being an entrepreneur and running your own business, whether it is a blog or um, something that you run from home right. uh, and and produce and sell or uh, you know create courses and and teach people whatever it is that your business is um and if you're owning it and running it you're wearing a lot of hats yeah and things are constantly changing uh your your clientele might be changing uh technologies might be changing and even in the course of the last five or six years that i've been starting this business and growing it things have changed um you know the the way I was building my website at the very beginning. Things are very different now. Google has new algorithms that I need to deal with and think about. And so I'm constantly learning and switching gears. And I think that's one of the challenges of running your own business. And I have found that it sometimes gets me down. Yeah, I You know, I'm constantly having to change or learn something new. And so often I'm, I'm very real about this. So often you think, oh my gosh, I'm not enough. I'm not smart enough to do this. I can't keep doing this. This is too, I'm trying to do too many things or manage too many people or run, you know, do too much. And it does get overwhelming. And I, like you said, sort of my process in that is, you know, as, as great of a day as I'm having today and the opportunities that I have in front of me in a week, I might be saying, oh my gosh, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. It comes and goes, and it always will as you're owning your business or running something. Um, there are challenges, and but there are lots of successes and achievements. And for me, I have been a, I have tried to break it down and say, okay, I'm not going to do all of it today, right. and I'm not going to finish like get to all of these needs or deadlines or website changes or fixes or rewrites or you know, recipes today or tomorrow or this week. What can I do right now? 
what can I get help with? What can I hire right, out? Right, right, right. Uh, what can I take off my plate? And just break it into smaller pieces. And that's been um, a real help for me as I've gone through this process. And it is, speaking of hiring help. Yeah, and getting we were things, talking about yeah, that. Yeah, taking off your plate. Um, I have had to make choices, financial choices, to say, you know, I'm not making a ton of money or, or the money that I would like to be making right now, but I need to invest in some help in order to grow. Right. And I think that's an important aspect for, you know, startups or small businesses or somebody who's looking to make a change in their career. You should probably be open to those investments of time and money and sort of look forward and say, what will this take? What's my threshold? And, and just kind of Figure that out little at a time. It's not all going to come at once, but that's that's helped me. Yeah, I, I'm so, I want to even go further and ask you more because, I mean, I relate to that so much. I mean, there's days where, you know, you have so many successes with what you're doing and then and then the next week it just feels like, wow, mm-hmm. I'm... I'm doing so much and it's, mm-hmm. it's hard. Do you, do you do journal? Do you just, just stop and go one thing at a time? I'm just going to tunnel in and not look at the big picture. I mean, what are some maybe really practical? Like, I, I'm just curious, like what you do on a day when you're not feeling great. Um, recently, my, my new thing is making sure I'm taking care of myself. Ah, uh, yeah. I have spent years not doing that and. You know, maybe it's it's taking quiet time or, you know, doing that meditation or workout or something, even if it's a few minutes a day. That is my, my new thing. Is Good saying, for you. I'm going to be a bit better business owner. I'm going to be able to accomplish more in this day if I take care of myself yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And it is still a challenge for me. It Ugh. is hard not to wake up, get going on my business, know that I have 10 deadlines that day, yeah. jump right on them. You know, I, I am trying to restructure my work-life balance right. to do that because it has helped a lot in my business, surprisingly. Right. right. Um, and yes, another thing is just um, creating new systems. Oh, you know, my God. You're speaking my language. Right. I love me my systems. Yes. And they change and morph as your business changes and morphs. Yeah. Um, but I've loved it. I, I get summer interns every summer. Oh, and cool. And they work with me on my business, they're college students, and um, I love their new ideas yeah. and what they're bringing to the table. And we've cr- I've created systems in my business based on their ideas and, and somebody from the outside kind of coming in and saying, hey, let's try this or let's organize your data or your files this way. So just being open to yeah. new things and, and saying, hey, what change can I make this month or week or year that will move me in a, in a new or different direction. Oh, I love it. And do you sort of plan, do you have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, or you just kind of go like, okay, what can I accomplish this year, you know? Oh, great question. I I never really have. Yeah. I feel like things are changing so much. Right. I sort of have a few um, sort of pots of gold at the end of the rainbow that I, I work towards, but I don't know if that's going to take two years or five years. Right. Um, you know, something that I've learned this year is um, my business slowed down a little bit because I took on the project of writing a cookbook. Yeah. And so had I had this five-year plan, I would have had to shift it anyway because this new opportunity came in place. But I still know how I want to grow my business and where I want to get to. 
but I'm okay with those little turns happening every once in a while. Well, speaking of that book, let's talk about it a little more. (laughs) Do you have a month? Do you know? Do you have an exact date? Do you know when it's coming out? Tell me all about it. Tell tell me more. Yes. If you follow me, you are going to start seeing some exciting announcements about pre-sales this summer. And so you can buy it early and know that right when it's published, it will land on, on your doorstep. So that's exciting. And the on-sale date is early October. Oh October my gosh, 3rd. that's awesome. So yes, it will be uh, on bookstore shelves. And it is, um, it's, it's been a bit of a dream of mine. I, yeah. I didn't know when writing a cookbook would happen. Um, but it's also been a a challenge that I didn't expect. Right. And tell me, uh, you were you were saying earlier, kind of what t- t- style of recipes, it's sort of things we can make all the time, and then some special occasion stuff. What, what type of recipes are in it? Um, it is a mix. So it's recipes for busy weeknights and leisurely weekends. And I love that because it kind of covers everything and all the ways that I like to cook, Yeah, where I will cook or share recipes that are, you know, easy enough for a 30 minute or an hour preparation so you can get dinner on the table yes. on a Wednesday. Yeah. But also recipes like a fun layer cake or a great breakfast or, you know, a slow cooker meal where you have time on the weekend to sort yeah. of say, I want to just cook or get this in the oven or something like that. So it's a little of everything. And that's the way I love to cook. I love to share food. That's very much like my website. You'll find a little of all of that. Is there a recipe? I don't know if you can share, but if you can share a recipe from the new cookbook, kind of a title, just to maybe a special one that comes to mind or, or one that comes to mind that you're particularly excited about? Good question. I haven't picked favorites yet. <laughs> yeah, right. And, you know, it's it's fun to see as I, I've had help with family and friends who have tested my recipes before they go in the book because I want to make sure they work really well. So it's been fun to see what their favorites are. And for instance, my um, chicken chili verde soup has already been made countless times. And so I'm (laughs) so excited to share that recipe with the cookbook readers. That's awesome. Um, But there's a mix. I've got some fun appetizers that, oh my gosh, are some of my favorite dips and uh, uh, spreads and snack boards and all the way to breakfasts and desserts and like very flavorful ethnic meals that um, I've created and that are my favorites. Oh my gosh, it sounds awesome. Well, I'd like to, we, we have just a few minutes left and I have a couple more questions that I want to ask you. One is, is there a cookbook that is um, tattered and worn, you know, well-loved, well-read in your own collection or, or a cook that particularly inspires you? Um, do you have a favorite cookbook? Oh, there's so many. And I'm trying to think. Um, I'm a collector of cookbooks. So oh my gosh. oftentimes I, I have so many. I can't even get through them, but I love them. Um, I I will grab and love and and reference and use cookbooks anywhere from Maida Heater, who is this amazing baker and cake uh, cake maker and um to Cooks Illustrated. I love their technical oh, yeah. recipes and the explanation behind them. I I reference all of my old Martha Stewart cookbooks. Um, I love Odalengi. He is, you know, a chef from the UK that yeah, is he, just, I don't know I don't know him. Just beautiful food with with veggie heavy and flavors and um, you know, 
very Middle Eastern Israeli based um, flavors as well. And so he's inspiring. And I've always loved Jamie Oliver. Yeah. Just the, his personality comes through oh, in his yeah. recipes and his mm-hmm. food. And, and those are always fun. But Really, I could go on and on, Lynn. So I just that's yeah, just amazing. Fun. I mean, those are a lot of cool ones for to check out. Some I'm familiar with and some I'm gonna have to totally check out <laughs> on my own. Well, that is amazing. I can't believe I mean, we've just like eaten up the hour, which is so awesome. I love talking to you and I cannot wait for the new cookbook. Um, I do have one more question, which is sure. our sort of um playful fun question. And it's <laughs> the the question is what's turning you on this week? So you can start thinking about that. And it could be anything. It could be a book or a movie or a TV show or your favorite lipstick or you know, it could be anything. We've had everything from The Real Housewives to some, you know, incredibly, you know, intense book of poetry. So it's, it's, it's totally just a fun question for our listeners to get a little more insight to you. So Tara Bench, what is turning <laughs> you on this week? Oh, that's a great question. And that was not enough time to think about oh, it. Sorry. <laughs> I tried. What I do? Um, what's turning me on is... You know, I um and I I love to travel and I and you know this this scare with health around the world is, yes. is crazy. But um what's turning me on is still just looking forward to vacations I want to take and um I've been very into looking into food vacations and where I can go and learn to cook and whether it's Thailand or Mexico. And, and so that's just a passion that I've, I've recently been into. So that's fun. Oh my gosh. That sounds amazing cooking. I mean, you know, I never really thought about that, but oh, like going to Thailand and learning how to cook Thai food. Right. Right. I mean, yeah, pretty dreamy. All right. Well, the website is terrateaspoon.com and then your Instagram is at Tara Teaspoon. Great. One perfect. Word. And the book is coming out. There'll be pre-sales in the summer. Um, so definitely get on her social media and check out all the beautiful, beautiful food that's there and the beautiful photos. So Tara, thanks so much for your time today. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks, Lynn. It was great. Thanks so much for listening to the Apex Hour here on KSUU Thunder 91.1. Come find us again next Thursday at 3 p.m. for more conversations with the visiting guests at Southern Utah University and new music to discover for your next playlist. And in the meantime, we would love to see you at our events on campus. To find out more, check out suu.edu slash apex. Until next week, this is Lynn Vartan saying goodbye from the Apex Hour here on Thunder 91.1.